0: Welcome to Tech Talks, the technology podcast with David Savage and Jack Pierce, publishing on Mondays and Thursdays. This is the show packed full of interviews and debate with technology leaders for the love of tech. On today's show, we're talking to Julie Fidel. She's a principal consultant at ThoughtWorks. But before that, it's not Jack. Hello, Robin. Hi. People should be familiar with who they, who you are if they've listened to our live shows. I
1: hope so. have made a few appearances at you know, at the Tech Talks events recently, but I am a new face.
0: I, I feel like I should be kind of nervous and asking if you want to be like my half-host.
1: Oh, half-host? Half-host. I'm never going to be Jack, am I? Well... <laughs>
0: It's not like we're exclusive. Uh, <laughs> you are,
1: you are. <laughs> you, know, okay. you know where we're going with this, right? Yeah. <laughs> what I'm referencing, right?
0: Uh, but you know, Jack's on holiday. He's still in Texas. Uh, and uh, you know, there are times where I'm going to bugger off. And That's quite cool. frankly, um, people probably want to hear from a female voice more than me and Jack being idiot men that we often are. <laughs> I think. I think it's probably a good thing. Although you are annoyingly young, again. Uh, yeah, but how old's Jack?
1: Jack's like twenty seven. Oh, do you know what? He looks a lot younger than twenty seven. <laughs> <laughs> he he's gonna lot hate lot. that. <laughs> I really I'm gonna point <laughs> that out to him. I don't know why I that. thought he was so much younger than what he was. Yeah, I'm a bit bit younger, but
0: Do you think it's a good thing for you? Hang on, maybe he's gonna enjoy the I think, think Jack can have all the
1: facial hair in the world and still look about like twenty three.
0: Ah, <laughs> oh, well if you'd said twelve that would have been offensive. But 12. 23's probably <laughs> paying him a compliment, do you
1: think? Yeah, I wouldn't <sighs> I would say twenty seven, but yeah, I hope Jack's having a good time in Texas. Either way,
0: uh, I should really find someone who's like my age that <laughs> makes me feel less old.
1: Oh, I think it's a good balance, though.
0: I think you and Jack have a good balance.
1: But thanks for having me on the show.
0: But you think this will be a better balance, right? 100%, Surely, hundred percent. Right. Okay. Hundred um, percent. So, what have you been up to this week? Are you having a busy week? Uh,
1: yeah, really busy week. Bit busy week. Um, Watching anything good? Love Island. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Do you watch Love Island? Yes. Why do you think I was talking about half what? What? coast? What what are your thoughts? It's
0: all a bit nice at the minute.
1: I wouldn't have thought you were a type of person to be interested in Love Island. Thanks.
0: You know, just making assumptions about me based Tech on the day and... Love Island at
1: night. <laughs> Look,
0: I am an absolute soaker for car crash TV. I like the West Wing, I like Chernobyl. But I'm a big fan of Love Island I haven't seen and Strictly that. Come Dancing and stuff like that.
1: Chernobyl, I've, I've been told, is really good. Chernobyl's
0: amazing.
1: Yeah, I need to watch it. I don't have access to it, though. Is, is it only on Sky?
0: Yes. Yeah,
1: I don't have that. But I would like to watch it,
0: so... You must be able to download it from somewhere.
1: Probably, yeah. haven't looked into it, to be honest. I come home. Love Island's on the night. I come home, I make dinner, have a shower, and then... But before you know it, it's nine o'clock There's Love Island. You have a
0: shower in the evening?
1: Yeah, I prefer showers in the evening. Is that weird?
0: I think it's weird. I
1: don't think that's weird. I think I like to get into
0: bed feeling clean. Yeah, but then you wake up feeling not clean. Yeah, but can you just reverse that? <laughs> <laughs> can you just say the same it doesn't thing? Make any it's sense. like you you could you wake up in the morning and then have a shower,
1: feel clean, and then go to bed all dirty. You no. Know?
0: I, I feel like I want to ask listeners whether or not they shower in the evening or the morning. I now. think
1: I mean I, a lot of my friends shower in the in the evening. Really? But yeah, but I've got a lot of friends that shower in the in the morning. But I like washing my hair. Takes some time. But I, know, I
0: feel grimy in the morning I
1: know I, I mean people prefer having a shower in the morning to wake up a bit more doesn't it
0: also you generally go to bed in the same PJs or whatever that you wear to bed like several days in a row uh-huh. 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 I have quite more. a lot of PJs <laughs> <laughs> fair enough there we go yeah. fair enough
1: um, that's a question I'd be quite keen to hear I think if you get a mix Okay,
0: I think we we'll should we should skip to the interview now. Yeah, let's do
1: it. Yeah, but thanks for introducing me. I'm happy
0: to be on the show. Cool. So uh, yeah, Julie is our guest. Uh, this is all about purpose, really, um, and failed startup experiences. Because we talk to a lot of organisations who've been success stories. I think it's it's fun every now and then to talk about someone who's had a failure, but yeah. what they've learned from it. So listen to the interview and we'll be back with some comment and then some news later on in the show. Today we are chatting to uh, Julie Fidel. Good morning Julie. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well thank you. Now you are someone that we've known for a little while because you have featured on the show before when you were in your uh, previous role at Booper but now you're at ThoughtWorks right? That's correct. So, So if people have listened to the show for a while they might be they might be familiar with you, but um, equally, I suppose that episode's nearly—it's well, nearly a year old now. So, Christ. Yeah, that was last summer. <laughs> the show's changed a bit in that time. But there we go. <laughs> um, look, thanks for giving up some time to to talk today. No, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Very quickly, as a bit of context, what do you do for ThoughtWorks?
2: So at ThoughtWorks, I'm a principal consultant um, and I primarily work in the product and advisory space. Mm -hmm. Um, And all that really means is I um, am helping organizations with uh, transform into product-led organizations and also deliver super cool tech.
0: The other reason that I think it's quite fun to get you on the show, I, I suppose if there's one criticism with with the podcast is that we're always focusing on let's try and find success stories and amplify that which is great but equally there are people out there who've tried to run tech businesses and failed but learned from that and taken those learnings on into their career and sometimes i suppose we can be a little bit um culpable of sweeping some of those battle scars to the side and not focusing in on them and and uh and learning from them and and you've been quite open with the fact that you've tried to run tech businesses Or a tech business before, and it didn't quite work out for various reasons.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So um, it is a. It took me a while to get over. It was back in 2012. I launched a startup called Popping Up, um, and the purpose really was to help businesses go from clicks to bricks and um, really reinvigorate uh, the shopping community that I saw dying within um, Melbourne, Australia, which is my hometown. Uh, anyway, long story short, um, I thought it was a really good idea, so did many others, but it, the market just wasn't ready for it, and um, it just didn't work. So I had to shut it down and and move on. And it was uh, I would say it was pretty devastating at the time, but um, I learned a lot, a lot, a lot about myself.
0: Do, do you do you think that the idea was the right idea? You've said there that it just the market, well, you know, alluded to the fact the market just wasn't ready. Mm. Um, how how can you possibly know that though like people have an idea they have this kind of purpose that they go with that they want to fix a problem and that problem may well exist but the market i mean whether or not the market does is is an entirely separate question
2: yeah and i I, it's it's a good question and, and purpose is often on my mind because um i think we've spoken about it before i talk a lot about uh, having a bit of purpose hangover and really I see so many amazing people in, in the industry, particularly tech, doing wonderful things and they're all driven by this, you know, deep purpose, um, which I certainly feel like I have, but uh, my my idea at the time just didn't work. And I guess what I learned from that experience is I probably needed to shift what I was doing and augment my idea but I just really wasn't willing to at the time because it felt it was moving a bit too far away from my original intent um, and that was the, that was the main hurdle for me it was being able to to move with where the market wanted me to go and and I just wasn't willing to so that's that's essentially why it didn't work
0: but now you work with product and and trying to get organizations to be product led mm. and a lot of that stems from purpose but you're coming at it from a different direction whereas you were a founder with that mission and it didn't quite work for various reasons Mm -hmm. now you've got organizations who are trying to define purpose where maybe that wasn't part of their lexicon like three years ago
2: yeah and product-led organizations it's that whole concept um is really interesting because it's it sounds really cool and kind of technical um but really it's about a mindset and why I feel that corporates find it really hard to move from the traditional corporate structure to a product-led organisation because it really is about changing the way the business works and leading by your vision and actually delivering against that as opposed to saying, well, these are our values and this is our vision. However, we act and behave in a different way, which is why I believe that a lot of people are unhappy with working in corporates and a lot of businesses come to, to ThoughtWorks and say, can you help me transform into a product-led organisation? And our response is really wanting to understand, well, what does that mean for you and what isn't working? Because most of the time it's around mindset and values and culture um, rather than, you know, what they're, how they're structured.
0: Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of companies out there still that believe that values is is sticking a quote on the wall, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's so funny. So, um, a, a lot of the times with my clients, they they talk about, well, you know, we hire we hire people that have the same values, but um, we can't seem to retain them. And my response is always, so give me an example of um, how you demonstrate openness if that's one of your values and often the response we get is yeah sure we're open to new new ideas but this is the way we believe we need to go as an executive team and i said well you know <laughs> let's look at that statement you know therein lies the beginning of the problem
0: now culture culture as you as you pointed out is is key to, t- to keeping hold of your staff equally so is recognition um what kind of structures do do you think an organisation needs to put in place to deliver that that recog- or that that culture of recognition and reward that engages people and goes beyond that nice rhetoric?
2: Um, I think it, again, I'll, I'll build on my earlier point. I, I really believe it's about mindset and ways of working. I don't I don't really care about what lines are on the paper and how, who's reporting to who and what that type of structure looks like. But it really is, so values, values shape the culture and um, that is the way people behave towards each other. So that's essentially when you're joining an organisation, you're joining because you feel like I can get into this, you know, relationship because we have the same values. And a lot of that is, yes, I want to be good to you and you do good to me. But I also want to work in a place where there's cooperation and collaboration, and I feel like what I'm doing matters. Um, And if that means as a leader, I am able to say to to the team, these are the business objectives, here are the results that we're tracking towards, you go away and solve that problem. So having autonomy and the ability to feel like I can actually go away and solve problems and achieve those targets as opposed to being told what to do, what I'm seeing is the key difference in um, employees' happiness at work. So really having the ability to feel like they're in control of making a change and working towards that change without being given you know, a task of things to execute against.
0: Just from a product's point of view, and this might be a really naive question, maybe it's a chicken and an egg situation, but mm-hmm. what, inf- what, what informs the other more? Does a product shape an organization's culture or is it the organization's culture that shapes the product?
2: Yeah, It is kind of chicken and egg. It's more of a way of, so, for example, say you've got this really great idea um, and you want to validate, validate that in the marketplace. In order to be able to do that, so you want to get product market fit, we call it before you've actually launched your product, is to work in a way where you're constantly solving problems that are the highest value for the customer that you're solving for. And that naturally means that you're working in a collaborative way. You're continually iterating and all iteration really means is you're learning by failing. So you're you're continuously making improvements to that product and that eventually leads to and you're working autonomously because you're solving different types of problems. So it ticks all of the boxes for how people want to work and then eventually when you grow that product and you get more um, product lines in place, you have more product teams that work in that fashion so why i love that structure in from an organizational point of view is because the purpose of a product team is to be given an an objective and a and a, and a result to work towards but the work that they the problem they're given is is different enough from the next prod, product team so they can work autonomously and deliver that value to the customer does that make sense
0: yeah absolutely um look yeah. early you were talking about corporate and how corporate culture is seen as a is a bit of a negative, right? Yeah. And and I think that with especially Gen Z coming through uh, into the into the workplace, people who or, or sorry, leaders of corporate businesses are desperately trying to recast themselves as not being corporate. And you know, oh God, we can't get called corporate. It's, it's wholly negative for us. But not all businesses can be these super cool, agile tribe-led businesses, right? So it doesn't feel it does. It feels disingenuous of a of a of a corporate that's been around for a very long time to suddenly try and cast itself as a tribe-led organisation. I don't think it will work in the long term. What's the middle ground that that does accomplish both of those that attracts Gen Zs yet remains true to to the to the identity of an organisation and its heritage?
2: I mean, I always really laugh at this word corporate because if you look at the definition. Of, of what it, what does the def, how do you define corporate? It's relating to a large company or group of people in a, in a business sense. Mm-hmm. So arguably, so that's Google and Amazon and Facebook, but we don't actually talk about those companies in the same vein. And you know, Google's been around what for 15, 16 years. So it's not a brand new company. So what's the difference? So for me, it's all about unpicking why do I feel differently about working for a large organisation that's traditional versus your Google and Amazon? And really, it all comes down to, again, about the way the, way the organisation works and how they treat their employees. So, for example, you wouldn't ever go into a, to an Amazon and say, well, it's, it's a nine to five organisation. Well, actually, that was re- that, that concept was introduced in the 1800s by the American labor unions. So clearly it's outdated. So why do we still have to work by that way? The millennials don't want to work like that. They want to bring their dogs to work. They want to work flexibly, potentially work on their own projects for 20% of the time. So it really what I feel like these new startups and, and particularly the very successful scale-ups like Google and Amazon have captured is, this modern way of, of living and having your work a part of that. So traditional corporates find, you know, yeah, you can work from home. However, you have to be online by 9am. Yeah, you may have passion projects, but don't do it in the 40-hour weeks that you're working for us. So it's, I feel like corporate has a way to, they don't have to be your Google or Amazon but there are things that they could meet in the middle ground in potentially you could, you know, work for 10% of your time on your passion project. And let's not worry about the nine to five because you have to do school drop off. So how can they figure out a way to authentically change the way they work to fit into people who work for them their their life like it's i always find it crazy i have a five-year-old son um and thankfully i i have helped to help you know take him to and from school but not he goes to school nine to three and i'm supposed to be you know working traditionally nine to five how's that ever going to work for a modern day family yeah it That's just it feels like it's It's at ends with the modern day, you know, the traditional work, corporate culture or the way they work versus the modern day life. Mm. So regardless, I do feel that I don't care if you're a hundred year organization or, you know, two years old, there is a way that people expect now to live their life and how they want to work to fit into that.
0: It's kind of like they haven't caught up with the facts that, you know, there are successful career women out there.
2: Yeah. It's so funny. So, you know, the, I was, you know, I did a bit of research on, you know, when was, when was, you know, nine to five introduced and why was it introduced? And there's a whole reams of information. Um, and, and obviously it was one breadwinner. The male went to work and you know, the mother was at home looking after the children. So it wasn't a problem, mm. but you know, that's just, that's just not how families work now. No. And, and to your point around millennials, we all know that millennials value life experience over getting loads of cash in the bank and working 40 hours a week and they've now eclipsed the baby boomers in terms of how the size of that cohort of people so what are we doing to mm. ensure that we're capturing the best talent and making our workplaces the most exciting to work
0: last thing to come back around to that that personal piece we, we can't all be the next unicorn or unicorn founder. But there's a hell of a lot of pressure, I think, on people in the workforce. And like you said, you know, millennials and uh, and certainly Gen Z are looking for experience necessarily more than the paycheck. Um, mm. Lots of passion projects go on in organizations. I mean, let's face it, this podcast was a passion project. So that's, that's reality. But yeah. how do we reconcile with the fact that you know, we're not all going to build the next multi-billion dollar world changing organization and find a way to be happy in, in, in the work life.
2: Oh, I could talk for hours on this one. Um, so I'm always, and I I guess why I could talk for hours on it, because I struggle with this sometimes, you know, a lot, and sometimes I'm quite comfortable where I'm at in, in my journey. Um, and I guess that the point around unicorns, what I always have to, you know, continue to remind myself a unicorn is a mythical creature and we're all trying to find it right <laughs> so it's it's not common um to you know to ever see a unicorn so if you hear about these there's, there's a couple of them upcoming in australia too so canva is like the the tech unicorn in the design space and she's a, quite a young founder and done these ama- amazing things melanie perkins her name is um, and I just think, oh God, she's younger than me. What am I doing? And I guess the tools I've put in place to help me with that is actually my purpose is I know what my purpose is, is to help people reimagine a, a you know a bigger and brighter future. And how do I do that every day in my life? Well, I do that with my clients. It may not be on the same scale, but I also do that in my personal life with my family and friends and with my community. So it's I feel like it, it's about chunking it down and really understanding who you are as an individual and what makes you tick. And I really feel like giving back to the community and doing something for others actually fulfills me more now than, you know, wanting to start something huge and, and it being a, you know, a massive success. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I've changed personally because I've learned a lot about myself and what, what contributes not to my happiness, but to, to joy in my life.
0: Look, it's it's been fascinating to kind of get your insight on it. And, and yeah, not necessarily to focus in on on the growth of a business necessarily, but to kind of that that, that personal dilemma that goes on probably in a lot of, of, of our minds. Um, you're speaking at Unbound London um, on the 17th and 18th of July. I don't know which day of the two you're speaking on but you're, you've been announced as one of the speakers, correct?
2: Yes, that's correct.
0: Cool. So if someone wants to come and meet you and find out a bit more uh, of what you've got to say on the back of this podcast, they can go to Unbound, grab a ticket and, and come meet you in person, I guess.
2: That'd be awesome. I'm looking forward to meeting everyone. Awesome. Well, look, thank you for your time and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much, David.
0: Right. Stood, just to put you on the spot straight off, <laughs> when you were listening back to this, what, what stood out? What, um
1: the very last bit to me actually stood out about um the point you made about unicorn businesses and actually how sometimes you have to cope with not necessarily being that founder that amazing idea and coping with working in a in a business kind of underneath all that and how
0: Do you know, you know every everyone's looking for their fifteen minutes of faith? Yes. Do you feel that success and being like the CEO founder entrepreneur? Mm has almost pre- um, replaced the I'm going to be earning a lot of money in people's heads.
1: Oh, uh, You know what? I think it really depends on the, on the person and what you're what you're looking for. I mean, is it, are you basically saying save say on money? Is well, I'm, exactly kind of, I'm kind of...
0: No, it's, I kind of feel like... We talk about mission and purpose a lot, right? Mm-hmm. And how they're massive drivers for Gen Z and millennials. Mm-hmm. I kind of wonder whether the negative byproduct of that is that everyone's looking for that idea that propels them to being in the limelight. Everyone wants to be an Instagram star or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. And I don't know whether that's maybe making it a little bit simple, but Julie talks about the fact that she's had to become comfortable with being someone who gives something back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she talks about having to understand who you are yeah and maybe there's that thing that when you first enter the workplace you you just don't know who you are mm.
1: i i like her point though of how you can have kind of different successes in different ways it's mm-hmm. so like your family life your career or the, the smaller things yeah because you can look at that person for example the one that you use about someone being a, a massive instagram influencer yeah doesn't necessarily mean that they're you know successful in other areas i mean for example like like building a career or building a business or public speaking or having a successful podcast for example not everyone can do i don't know, different. That you don't know that like not <laughs> yet <laughs> but i think you can have you can be successful in one aspect but not necessarily in all and an element that you might not have and you'll look at someone from the exterior and think oh you know, for example, they have this massive unicorn business or they're so successful in in their status or, or in this way, but actually there would be things and elements that you have that that person might not. Mm. So I think it's quite good to balance it out. And also, I think success can come at different paces. You can, you know, be a 25-year-old and, you know, be a successful entrepreneur, or you could be a 50-year-old successful entrepreneur. It can come at any point.
0: Yeah, I, and I think that's an interesting point, right, because we often... Uh, there's that uh, there's an interesting stat that I saw a year ago that says that someone their employability or how how much they earn and and their self-perception are all wrapped together and it kind of drops off a cliff about 40 to 45 yeah which is alarmingly close for me I'm like 35 this year so 40 to 45 isn't that far off and it's like hang on a minute mm. I still feel like I'm massively at the beginning of my career not yeah. At the point where it's all about to shit hit the family. I don't, know.
1: I, I don't know how I feel about that, though, that particular statistic. Yeah. Because I, like, you know, I look at like, members of my family and where they were at my age, for example, compared to where they are now in their career, and they're so much more successful Yeah. Like at the later stages. I think you need to kind of gain that life experience and corporate experience to kind of get you to where you need to be. So I don't know how much I really believe in, oh...
0: yeah but the individual might think like that but clearly I mean stats don't lie you can interpret them in different ways but a lot it was over it was kind of 3,000 people had taken part in that survey so I guess it's a reflection of how businesses react to
1: and industries as well yeah Yeah.
0: Mm, it's an interesting one I, I don't know I hope that 40 are. Well, actually,
1: in five years' time you'll be able to tell me if that's true. Shut up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I found
0: it a very honourable point when she was talking about um, the failure of her startup mm. um, and how she's got a purpose hangover. On this show, we've often spoken about the fact that if you're gonna have a successful startup, you can't get distracted by low hanging fruit, mm. don't accept the wrong investment, and stick to the principle of what it was that you wanted to build because that purpose and that driving, uh, I suppose, the, the, the purpose behind why you're building what you're building is so important, right? Mm. And her business failed because she refused to pivot. Mm pivots and irri- pivoting and irrit- irritation, <laughs> iteration rather um, are are generally seen as an important component to building a successful business yeah. she refused to do that and her business failed yeah there is something honorable in that i think so. i'm not sure it's the necessarily the best advice you do need to be able to pivot yeah. if i was being a little bit critical but we often tell people not to accept low-hanging fruit, and Julie didn't, mm. and she's learnt a lot from that experience. Yeah.
1: I think it's really honourable. I think you definitely learn from the mistakes that you make, and you grow from it. And I think if she was to make that decision of maybe trying again in the future, she chose to. There's a lot to learn from those experiences. Mm-hmm. And maybe at the time when she decided to launch this business, I remember her saying the market wasn't ready. Yeah, I mean... That could well change at at this point. Oh like, yeah, Christ. Well think about yeah. the way that we talk
0: about the high street and retail now. Yeah. How how under attack it is.
1: Exactly. So it's all it's all very dependent and I think it is very honourable that she that she done what she done chose not to pivot. Because I think you should really strongly believe in the science that you're going to take and she done that it didn't work for her, but who to say it won't in the future? But it's I think they quite a strong mindset to have and to stick to.
0: I suppose it's the the difference between pivoting what your product is or your offering is ever so slightly versus that overall end goal and if, mm. it be- if you begin to pivot so far that you lose sight of that mm. that's when actually things have gone too far and you need to go no I, I'm in danger of building something I yeah. never wanted to build and I'm going to be lumbered with something that I'm not proud of yeah it's hard
1: to predict though isn't it like yeah. how how that's going to you know having a startup, you don't know where it's going to take you and she could have chose to pivot and actually lose sight of what she wanted to do in the first place and not, not yeah, be the yeah. inside as to what it's come out of it. And you're
0: learning so much. I mean, on Monday's show, myself and Jack were talking about um, Harry Metcalf, who's the founder of DXW Cyber. And he admitted 11 years ago when he started DXW Digital, he didn't know how to do cash flow. He didn't know mm-hmm. about taxes. He didn't know, you know, there's so much when you're a founder also going on in your head. Yeah. The stuff that might seem easy, I, I guess you could easily take your eye off because you're worried about Definitely. the business side, the, the organizational side, the paperwork side.
1: Yeah, for sure. That's what well, I don't reckon, like me personally, I don't think I can ever venture to something like that. Because uh, that's the thing that I think of, all the, the, the legal side, the business side, the finance side, yeah, yeah. I am, don't know anything no, about. No, I know jack shit. So like, I could have this great idea, but I wouldn't do anything with it, because I just wouldn't know how to get it <laughs> off the ground. Because you do. Like, it's, you know, an, an idea by yourself, and then actually putting it into practice. You forget about all these little things that tie into a business and make it so successful. And these skills that you don't have that you need to develop to help your business grow. But
0: then, as Julie says, you know, iteration is just learning by failure. So that's true. Yeah, a exactly. lot of a lot of people in businesses, are, it, it would seem, are still scared to fail. And is that your
1: favourite word at the moment?
0: Well, iteration. <laughs> yeah. No, no. I'm only, I'm only making sure that I pronounce it right after saying irritation. Earlier. Um
1: I think I said entrepreneur wrong earlier as well. Yeah, you added a nice French flavour to it. Did I? I mean, I suppose the root of the word is French. But it's
0: fine. It's fine. I wasn't going to bring it up, but now you have. I was Um, conscious of it. I thought... Just, just a, another point to finish on. I um, thought so it was very insightful when she talked about businesses being, you know, I want to get into this relationship because we share values. That employee-employer relationship has yeah. changed. I think certainly, even when I started work 10 years ago, you were grateful for a job. You needed mm. a job. It was almost a career doing myself a favour by saying 10 years it's actually a bit longer than that <laughs> how long uh, has it been now? 12 12 <laughs> not, not, not a lot longer but anyway <laughs> and I do think even in the last decade that's certainly shifted to being much more of a two way street mm. or, and, and I think organisations that still view their members of staff as employees mm. you know you're there to do what we tell you to do yeah are setting themselves up for a real big shock
1: definitely I think if if companies stay in that kind of strict intrinsic culture you know you're gonna that you know these grads that are coming through with all these new skills that are highly educated I mean, well actually i could just go to a better paying job just down the road in central london that's going to give me what i want that's going to incorporate all these values that you don't have and that'd be so easy for them to make that 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 step so i think it's important that kind of companies in the market are evolving to what's happening and yeah. what's changing because you're right like it is kind of a two-way two-way street now absolutely compared to what it used to to
0: be. And on that inclusion piece, you know, she talks about the fact that she's got a son that she yeah. needs to pick him up at three o'clock every single day. Yeah. And it's all very well a company going, yeah, yeah, we're flexible, you can work from home, but you've got to be online from nine to five. Yeah, it doesn't work. actually, that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all, all these big companies are talking about inclusion and diversity, and they're getting um, diversity and inclusion and belonging leads uh, into their companies. People mm-hmm. to specifically look at this, where it's like, hey, speak the speak, the speak fine, but walk. Walk the walk as well. If you are gonna have people working from home, you have to basically trust to that. that they yeah. might they might log on at seven o'clock in the morning, yeah. log back off at ten o'clock, log back on at twelve, log back off at two, log back on at five. You know, but look at the deliverable. Look at the deliverables and the outcome rather yeah. than necessarily the hours or yeah. that that very rigid idea of what working a working practice is.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree. I think there is a lot of businesses that are talking about it. But not necessarily acting because so it looks good to talk about it, doesn't it? Oh yeah, like we're like looking at this now. But I think there are still a lot of a lot of places out there that don't adapt to that work-life mm. balance that people so desperately need. And actually, to identify these people as human beings that have a right to a, a personal life, yeah, it's important. But I think I think it's a small set, but I think it's definitely evolving the market and people are getting there yeah. because they recognise that's what people want, that's what they're asking for, and actually, if think you have a better chance of retaining like higher talent and loyal employees by listening to their needs.
0: Just out of interest, you're Gen Z. No, I'm millennial.
1: No, you're not. You're 12. Yeah, So, correct me if I'm wrong, millennial was from 1981 to 1996. Is that right? Is that anyone
0: who's turning, it was becoming an adult around the time. The so, like, late. How, how old are you? Because I think it's 24 downwards I'm I'm Gen 22, Z. I turned
1: 23. You're cannot. Gen Z. I'm not, I'm 1996. You're Gen Z. I'm 1996, right, okay. I'm, I'm millennial. Either you know way,
0: you're all the <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm on the very edge of it. Why would you want to be a
1: millennial What's I mean? I'm are talked about very highly, aren't they? That's not true. No, bashing bashing I know. I would say that as a compliment. Would you? Yes. Yeah. Um, well, I'm going by the, um, you know, the dates that are set out.
0: Okay. Either <laughs> way. Do you view Google, Facebook and Amazon as a corporate? Mm,
1: no, actually, no? I don't.
0: Would you view them as organisations you'd want to work for? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Because I... I kind of think they've come in for so much bad press recently around their working practices and the strikes yeah. that they've had that I'm not entirely sure that that they're not being tarred slightly. I don't I don't think they're seen as corporates, but I think they're seen as big tech, and that's almost somewhat yeah. in its own little category.
1: Yeah. Well, it's the whole innovation piece, isn't it? Look, us for super trendy and cool, and really hard to get into. It's the best of the best that work for these companies. I think it's just that kind of sexy exciting factor that makes people want to you know saying I work for Google like how amazing does that sound I think that I think a lot of people's minds kind of overshadows all these things that are going on in the
0: background does not it they're a big tech wanker <laughs> yeah still in between yeah us. basically but like,
1: people, <laughs> like, people still want to work with them don't they
0: yeah well of course because they're big and it does help you career, you know but I don't in, think that a I don't
1: even think even though you know that's the case I don't think that should excuse them but, the things that they've been doing, yeah. and it hasn't been. No, no, like Facebook, not. for example, with the with the the data leaks, came under so much scrutiny. Force it's not going unnoticed. Mm. But I don't think, unfortunately, that changes the stance of people. Well, you would still well. so. Yeah, you would. You work, would, would
0: you? I don't know.
1: You don't know why? Because of with the bad press.
0: With that being Aaron, I don't know whether, whether I need. Too. I'm too good for you <laughs> <laughs> that is not what I mean I appreciate how that sounds that is really not what I mean uh, right um, with that with that shockingly statement, <laughs> modest saying let's, let's end the first part of the podcast and uh, we'll be back in a minute with some technology news thank you Tech Talks are partnering with Alive and Kicking a charity that set up businesses that manufacture beautiful sports balls across sub-Saharan Africa Using profits from ball sales and additional fundraising from events like the Hackney Half Marathon, they're able to train sports coaches to deliver vital health education. We're about to hear from Naomi, a coach in Zambia, who's been trained to deliver mental health education to her community.
2: Hello there,
1: this is coach Naomi from Zambia. I would love to say with Alive and Kicking training, which has helped me to teach my players about like mental health. It has really built my knowledge and they p- have passed through to my young players in, in the community. I also work with Special Olympics where we do with children with a disability, mentally and physically. I hope and trust that the Alive and Kicking will continue teaching coaches in various parts of the world, not just in Zambia. Thank you very much, Alive and Kicking.
0: Welcome back to Tech Talks. We have two bits of news. Uh, don't worry. Don't worry. You're looking. You're making faces at me like, what it's the like, hell's I going on? I don't know this. <laughs> don't I've, got, I've got two bits of news. Okay. I'm going to read them out. Okay. And and you're basically going to chat about them with me. But it's oh. totally... Normally, myself and Jack have one each. Yeah. But as it's your first show. I was
1: going to say, I was like, you're just going to like, tell me to come up with a story. No, no, no. <laughs> so so
0: basically, basically, normally, he would have a, a story, I would have a story, and mm. we'd both kind of go, all right. But the whole point is, you're not supposed to have seen this. Okay. So don't worry. OK. OK. So the first one's from The Guardian, written by Dennis Campbell, who is the health policy editor. OK. Mm-hmm. Children aged five and under are at risk of internet addiction, according to Barnardo's. The charity's report into the effects of technology on under 18s warns of a threat to mental health. So, to give you a bit more uh, context, children aged five and under are at risk of becoming addicted to the internet in a trend that could damage their mental health. The charity said very young children, uh, one as young as two... Uh, we're learning to access websites, for example, YouTube and those related children's television programs, as a result of their parents giving them access to smartphones or tablet computers to distract or entertainment uh, entertain them rather. Bernardo's is concerned that early access to electronic devices could lead to both addiction and a loss of key social skills as families spend less time talking amongst themselves. Loads to talk about um, basically the effects of, of platforms such as Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter having on dis- um, disturbing sorry, or having as a disturbing impact on mental health of under 18s as a, as a whole. Yeah, how old were you when you got your first phone?
1: Um, I reckon probably about like 11, 12.
0: Did he was were you restricted in terms of what?
1: Yeah, well, when I had a phone, it was literally just like a Nokia phone, and I had. You couldn't have clicked a text or anything. It's just like you press the letter each time to make the word, and yeah, yeah, yeah. there's no internet. And I remember my mum. We had like a set amount of texts we can send. Maybe it was like you know. Like I guess you 50. just on the cost funny,
0: If you're if you're 22 and you got your first phone when you were about 11. Yeah. 11 years ago, well, the iPhone's about 10 years old. But there's yeah. no way the cost, the, the no, price no, no, that no. they were, yeah. that you aged 13 would have got on you. Absolutely iPhone.
1: not. No, we had the the old school type Nokia style, and I think. I wasted, like, all my, like, 25 texts just texting my brother when he was in the <laughs> other rooms back and forth at night. That's literally all we done. But now I have a younger sister who's 12, you? turning 13. Oh, and right, actually I see, I do see the impact of it because when I was her age, I do think my generation was the last generation to be that kind of you go out and play with your friends and knock each other's door saying, you know, you're coming out. So your sister doesn't? No, like, no one as much as what I would Have done when I was a kid, but I don't think that's just her. I think that's cause you see it, you see it a lot with kids that just sit inside on their iPads instead of going outside and playing with each other. Then I have a cousin who's the same age who has access to these things, but actually he's really into sports and has had skate park all the time. So I think a lot of it depends on kind of your interest and upbringing and how much of a kind of introvert as opposed to extrovert you are. But I do you think widespread that it has made an impact. I
0: totally get why there'd be concert, 100% of course, me too. Um. But I kind of also fundamentally think that young people are entering a digital world.
1: Yeah, but I think that it's so hard to to regulate the impacts of that. I mean, the internet as it is, I mean, you can get access to material that you don't want your kids seeing, but by the click of a button, and there's no way to really escape that. Like, you're going to be exposed to so much more than what perhaps I would have been at the age of 11 or 12.
0: But I think, I think it's a good step, though, that, you know, the iPhone has screen time monitors on it now. Um,
1: yeah, but I don't know. That's, like, not going to stop a, a parent from giving their kid an iPad just to distract the child for a few hours because it's easier to do, right?
0: So you think it's down to parenting?
1: I think a bit of both. I mean, I personally wouldn't want my kid to have an iPad at the age of five or an iPhone. Like, I just don't... I mean, I, I I, would, I just wouldn't want that. Classic. It's amazing because
0: like I've got a nephew who's about nine months old. Yeah. From the age of about three months, he's never had a phone in his hand. Um, but from the age of three months, he recognised that there was a phone that was taking a picture of him. Oh wow! So he'd he you'd, you'd kind of you'd get a phone out to take a photo of him, and he'd zero in on what it was. Oh, he, wow. rec- he would recognise that he was, and the thing is, like, I kind of guess when I was a child. You have films in cameras and it was more expensive and it took ages to develop them so maybe holidays and birthdays like Mm -hmm. if you look back at family photos they're mainly holidays and birthdays so there wouldn't have been that much even camera in your face yeah whereas now it's like smartphone every single time you see your nephew it's like i'll take a couple of cute photos yeah
1: i think about this because when i was younger again it wasn't like that you'd have your cameras that would develop and that was it Yeah, yeah and now you see you know like babies with snapchat filters on them and it's just to me it doesn't seem right how You're at such a young age, you have all this technology around you all the time, and I I can see how that can be damaging. And it's not a natural world, like from you know, growing up, you're surrounded by these filters and cameras and apps, and it's not natural, it's not organic, that isn't the real world. Filters definitely are, yeah, exactly. But you know, you know (laughs) what I mean, and it's just like when I was young, you didn't have any of that, you just go outside and play and kick up all all about and play like street games or whatever with all your friends. And that's that's natural. I think that's I think you're just kind of covered by this blanket that's digital and not real. And I can see how in the future that might have like massive detrimental effects because people can hide behind a keyboard these days as well. I think kids are learning it from a, a young age and actually had these these anonymous. You see these anonymous platform things where kids can like ask each other questions that are completely anonymized no. and it, like and it's like been in the news for. Like, like an easy access to, to bullying, and I think at that age it was so impressionable. When you I know, think that there's that
0: great advert on telly at the minute Sticks and Stones might break my bones, but no, words will never hurt me. Yeah. And how actually that's, you know, with, with cyberbullying, mm-hmm. that's not the case.
1: Yeah, and but I think cool. with these apps and access to it, I can see how that can lead to mental health problems mm. from a young age because you can do that. And the kids can hide behind a keyboard and they will because they're kids, mm. they don't know. So that's why, I, I mean, I personally wouldn't want like, my own child to have access to something like that at such a young age.
0: I mean, a final thought on this for me, I, I guess it's hard for parents, especially parents of children who are like RMD uh, here at work. His, his kids are two twins who are 13. If you didn't grow up as a digital native, to use the kind of a very standardised wanky term but if you didn't grow up as a digital native and then all of a sudden your kids are that must be a real sea change mm. i guess it might be different when you start getting the people who are now like 16 17 yeah in 10 years time when they start having kids if they've grown up around tech and been fully immersed in it they they might have different parenting techniques
1: that's very true actually yeah
0: I don't know, although some, maybe there'll be a new tech. Well, no, because okay. even if there's new tech, it will still be digital of a form. Yeah. As opposed to no digital.
1: Yeah. I don't know.
0: I know what you're, I know what you're trying to say, but we don't know how it's going to play out, do we? No. All right, we've solved nothing there. Okay. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> second news article. Back to the drawing board, yes. next problem. <laughs> uh, Spotify mimics the radio with a news and music play- playlist for drivers. This is in The Verge. It's by Ashley Carmen. Um mm. Do you, do you Spotify and Apple
1: I Music? I don't use Spotify at all. I use Apple Music. Huh?
0: No? Yeah. So that just because you've got an iPhone?
1: Yeah, it's just easier. But I, I now regret not exploring Spotify a bit more because I think Ooh, you why? get... Because I think you get a lot more access to different types of, of music. Like, there, there's songs that I've wanted to download that I haven't been able to find on Apple Music, right. but I know that they're available on Spotify. So, but now I've got a kind of massive library of music and if I was to start Spotify and cancel yeah. Apple, I'd lose all of it, so...
0: So Spotify launching a new playlist called Your Daily Drive that will incorporate news and podcasts. So starting today, US users will be able to listen to music they already enjoy alongside new music recommendations with some news podcast content sprinkled in. Anyone can access the playlist regardless of whether you're driving. So Wall Street Journal, NPR and Public Radio International provide the news audio clips – News and music will be updated throughout the day, and unlike the platform's other popular sorry, unlike the platform's other popular playlists, uh, for instance, Discover Weekly only updates once a week and other personalised playlists like your daily mix only updated once a day. Do you listen to radio? Uh
1: no, not particularly. Oh.
0: The only radio that I
1: listen to is when I'm with Josh and he puts some talks for. That's it. <laughs> 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 Extent of how far it goes. I do think this
0: is interesting because it.
1: I, I, wa- I watch the news every morning though.
0: You watch the news every morning? Though. Yeah. How do you watch the news every morning?
1: BBC. Well, you just sit down. No, as, as, as I get as I get ready, I have it on in the background. Okay. That's definitely possible. I don't know why you're looking at me. That's such a weird yeah, thing. I don't know, to know. I just walk around from room to room. Do quite we, yeah. not, I stick the radio on. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Um, yeah, I find this really interesting because. I've often said podcasting is not radio Mm. and I have a I don't have a problem but I I, like I think the joy of podcasts is that it's um, there's a low barrier of entry so you get this really rich range of different um, enthusiastic uh, enthusiastic and passion driven projects coming out in, in podcasting form whereas like the BBC can yeah they've got BBC Sounds and they make podcasts but effectively it's radio on demand yeah um and I can see, on the one hand, the BBC's coming at it from one direction. You've now obviously got Spotify coming at, coming at it from another direction, picking up podcasts and very much professionalising that aspect of it and mixing it in with music. Yeah. I just... It's basically I, I just, just,
1: just radio reinvented then, isn't
0: it? It's just radio on demand. Yeah. Which I get, and I get it's interesting, and I get why Spotify are doing it, but I don't know whether or not... I don't know whether or not they're going to pick up the passion project podcasts, mm-hmm. and stick those into your daily updates. They're gonna be the the podcasts that are pumped out by the big media outlets. Yeah. And I just I can see it constricting the space a little bit of enthusiasts kind of coming through. I was through gonna say, do you think that will
1: have an impact on the people trying to? Well, shows be- like this that yeah. I mean, we're lucky.
0: We've been around for four years now, so we've been able to build up a bit of a listenership um, and a bit of brand equity. And I, you know, I say a bit, I mean a bit. Um, but if, you know, increasingly a lot of people are trying to produce podcasts mm. and if you're not, if you've not got the backing of a big distributor in this kind of a scenario, I could see it, you getting squeezed. Are these
1: podcasts, these playlists, or are they to that person's particular taste though?
0: Well, I'm assuming that they're looking at the music that you listen to. I guess so.
1: Yeah, because, the, you know, let's say someone's quite into hearing like tech. Mastin. or but like hearing like <laughs> tech news, when they incorporate... Well,
0: how? how is a tech podcast going to get... Oh, you know, if you listen to Janelle Monáe and she sings a lot about dystopian future, are going to get... Oh, wait, no, with? I was getting
1: confused, sorry. No. <laughs> I mean, you know,
0: what what podcasts and news are they going to recommend to you if your playlist is, like, exclusively Little Mix? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is, is,
1: that, is that in play already, though? Have they already introduced
0: that? Uh, it's in the U- US today.
1: In the US? I mean, have they introduced
0: that? Spotify? It's Sp- Spotify. Yeah. Your daily drive is available to all US listeners as of today. Oh,
1: OK. OK.
0: I think It's interesting. I'm just curious how it will affect content creators and In the how future. Yeah, like we're basically shifting to radio on demand, which is not podcasting. But possible.
1: that but that's just one platform though, isn't it?
0: It is, but if Spotify are doing it, you can be sure that Apple Music will follow with something similar. Yeah, that's very true. Um, you know, yeah, Diesel will probably true. introduce something.
1: Yeah, but like how much to what extent can they hit the allow a complete like monopoly of the market where it, it doesn't allow people to
0: No, I mean you you'll always be able to discover passion project stuff that's created from outside of, of, of the mainstream media, but I just think that it might make discoverability harder. Yeah, yeah. maybe I'm being naive. Well, well, and I definitely precious. think,
1: especially podcasts, the market's getting more and more and more competitive, isn't it? To yeah. people to create their own podcasts, oh, and yeah. I think that's always always going to
0: happen not For everyone us. has the luxury of such a high tech studio
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> with the napkins and shh the don't give do away secrets <laughs> yeah. Christ you knew to the show but uh, those, no there's a microphone on top of a sack of
0: napkins it have. works as a dampener. <laughs> <laughs> that
1: that's the text. studio
0: tech tech. studio hacks okay <laughs>
1: yeah
0: oh right not. before you trash our rep uh, <laughs> we will be back on Monday I think Jack's back from Texas but if not you might be back on a get I game. I might be, own. just depends
1: how you're feeling Dave, for me a favourite years. thank you for joining
0: us today. Thank
1: you, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me on the show. I've really enjoyed it. <laughs>